Hello, and welcome to Compass Church. If you have any questions about this message or are interested in learning more, please contact us. We'd love the opportunity to connect. Now, enjoy today's message. As we direct our attention to the Lord and are reminded of His goodness, we are thankful to Him as well for the season, for all of the things that we've experienced. And uh, it is uh, kind of different preaching this sermon, realizing that uh, I'll be gone for a little while, so I've never done that before. Uh, but I'm, uh, I'm excited and glad for the opportunity and look forward to what this will mean. And so as, I'm, uh, as we're going to look in the scriptures today, we're going to look at something that's pretty familiar. It's something that we've talked a lot about. But it is something that I think we always want to keep before us. And I've entitled the message, The Targets of Ministry for Our Church. And we have targets and maybe uh, maybe not something that's on the front uh, everybody sees. It's not uh, a front issue of our church, but as elders of our church, we're regularly revisiting who we are, what we're about, where we're headed, and what we're doing. And it's important that we always think about that. As, we, uh, as my wife and I have been preparing to go to Israel, which will be taking off on uh, Wednesday, which will be quite exciting. I've never done that. And uh, look forward to learning a lot, but also learning in preparation for going to Israel. Kind of being aware of the political processes that were evident in the first century and the place of the Jews in the first century under the Roman rule and all of the different groups that were uh, around, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Zealots, the Essenes, all of those groups trying to respond to the political climate and culture in which they were living, trying to be faithful to God in the midst of a difficult situation, cultural environment, certainly reminds me of us as Christians in our day when there are many things shifting around in our culture and sometimes people are discouraged and sometimes we have hopes attached to what will happen politically, what will happen economically. And uh, sometimes our hopes are dashed because of those things. It reminds me anew and afresh that Jesus came into this world not to teach us to attach our hopes and dreams to the things of this world, but to attach our hopes and dreams in, uh, to a new kingdom and a new world and a new existence and the work of God in the lives of his people and the work of God in the lives of his church. And so we want to be faithful in carrying out the mission that Christ calls us to. We want to be careful not to get too attached to the world. We love the world. We care for the world. We want to minister to the world. But our hopes and dreams are not built on that world. And our trust in Christ 
really calls us to be pilgrims and strangers in a land. And we don't know exactly where that takes us or what that will mean for our lives as we travel. But we do know that we have a faithful Lord whom we can trust in, whom loves us, who will guide us, who will bring us to the conclusion of history that he has determined and set. And God will exalt his son and put all rulers and all authorities and all powers under his feet and he will redeem a people for himself and call them into his family. And we will reign with him in a new kingdom and a new world. And that is a hope that we must anchor our hopes and dreams and our lives on. Because that's what gives us hope in this world. It's what gives us purpose and direction. I wanted to read a, an old story that you probably have heard before but that reminds us of how we can get off course. It's that story of that uh, lighthouse that was on the sea shore that was kind of a rugged lighthouse that had rugged boats, not the best equipment and not the best lights. And, but they were there for a mission and a purpose. And they were there to save any sailors that were in distress. And they were strategically placed on that seashore because they knew the, the currents and the, the waterways and the weather patterns. And that danger happened there. And they were strategically placed there to save lives. That was their work and their job. And people committed large resources of time and energy to be alert and be at the scene when danger was nearby. But, you know, as time went on, they kind of became complacent. They kind of built the place. It wasn't a nice, comfortable place. They had rugged cots in one room and it wasn't very comfortable for the people there so they upgraded the cots and they upgraded the lighting and the electricity and put in a new kitchen and it started to really feel like a comfortable place. And so their, their purpose and their mission began to shift because they were putting their resources in those other things. And they began to invite people to come and prominent people in the community would come out and see the lighthouse. But it wasn't on the front lines of saving lives as much anymore. That wasn't what it was about. It was a place to gather socially. It was a place to bring your family and friends. It was the place where they celebrated special seasons of the year, and birthdays and anniversaries and holidays. It took on a new kind of feel and aura. And people gave money to special things and upgraded everything and then there was a tremendous storm that hit and there was a big uh, ship that was tossed over and there were many lives that were in peril and some people went out and 
saved those people and brought them to the, to the house. But they were all dirty and wet. And they weren't really fond of bringing those people into the place anymore. They thought that they should maybe put a shower and a, an extra place to stay a little bit away from the lighthouse so that they could first get cleaned up before they came into the lighthouse. Because the lighthouse had bigger and grander and more important purposes than just saving people. And, you know, that's an important story to remember. Because sometimes we have a lot of events and a lot of things that we do. And, and we've just uh, finished uh, uh, an addition and enjoy a new kitchen and uh, a great gathering room and a new nursery and a new youth room. And it's very nice for us. But as we think about who we are as a church and we think about what we're called to be and called to do by the Lord Jesus Christ, it must be kept on the front burner that we are a lighthouse. Not a lighthouse from the seas, but a lighthouse for the light of Jesus Christ into a dark and broken world and that we need to exude the truth of His light. His light needs to be seen through us. And it's not just about us being here together. It's about being a light to those outside of the church. And so we have all of those things going on. And as we think about the lighthouse on the sea, we think about us as a church and what we're called to be. We are called to care for one another, to be connected in community with one another. But we're also never called just to be focused on just us here. We have a mission to do, a job to do in carrying the gospel outside the walls of this church and showing the light and love of Christ to people in our community and around the world. And so as we think about what we focus on here as a church, we've often said that we think about some targets. And as the elders have talked about these targets, we're, uh, we wonder if they're not more values than targets. But until we get a little further down the road, I'm going to kind of use them interchangeably. Because there really isn't anything that we do as a church, no matter what we do. These three targets should be the values that drive everything that we do. And I hope you know what I'm talking about, because we talk about it quite a bit, or fairly regular. Surrender, connecting, and proclaiming. When we look at the scriptures and we think about what Jesus was about and what he was building and what he wanted his church to be, these three terms capture, in large part, the essence of the gospel as Jesus calls us to be a people of God and calls us to be a community of God, a people of God, and calls us to be a light to the world around us. 
surrender, connect, proclaim. Three targets. First target is surrender, and pick up both, you know, a couple of these out of a very familiar passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 38. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees and Pharisees, uh, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. So certainly, this is the first and greatest commandment, he says. Certainly this captures something that God has been longing for in his people since he created us. Since the day of creation and then the fall and our going our own way and guiding our own lives and rejecting his lordship and his love over us, we went our own way. And he's always called for a people to love him. To recognize who he is. To love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. As Pascal says, we all have a God-shaped vacuum within every one of us. Because we are created to know God. We are God's creatures. We are God's creation. And he made us to walk with him and to know him when we began to realize who God is, we began to discover that we desire to be more like Him. Because there is no one more beautiful in all the world, in all the universe. Our God is beauty and light and life. And the essence of the Christian Relationship with Christ, with God, is seeing Him in His glory and being drawn to the beauty of His holiness, the wonder of His love, the expression of who He is. Why should we get to know Him more? It's because He is perfection. He is beauty. He is light. He is love. And he is the dispenser of love and He dispenses His love to us by the Holy Spirit. 1 John 1.5 says, God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. He offers us direction. We should know Him better because by knowing Him, pursuing Him, we see in a way that we could never see on our own. Reminds me of taking a, a trip to Portland and going to Portland while we were up there. My uh, mother suggested we go to Mount St. Helens and uh, we followed the GPS and went to Mount St. Helens and ended up on the wrong side of the mountain. So we never could find where to go to the Mount St. Helens ex exhibit. But while we were on the wrong side of the mountain, we ran into these uh, tunnels 
we I never knew they were up there, but lava tunnels. Yeah, I don't know if you ever got in a lava tunnel, but we got in a lava tunnel, and it's a massive tunnel. I mean, it's as, it's as big as this, you know. And we went down in there, and we were just walking quite a ways, and we weren't really preparing to go down into a lava tunnel, so... Uh, other people had like uh, flashlights and helmets and you know stuff and ready and all we are down there is this is our little phone you know flashlight oh we're walking around I can see where we're going wow this is a big place <laughs> what are we going to do if this phone goes out <laughs> I don't know we had no direction where we were and we turned it off just to see how dark it was we would never get out of there if we didn't have that thing. So, um, light is brilliant. It, it was amazing how much you could see with the tiniest light. And Jesus is the light of the world. He is the one that brings truth and life and light into our lives. And oh, when we see the light of Jesus, we long to know Him, to draw near to Him, to see Him as He is, as best we can. And even as we pursue Him throughout the years, we still learn more and more because He is the light. So we talk about surrender. Surrender is at the heart of who we are as God's people. Knowing the truth of who God is and the love and light that He is and and a longing to yield ourselves to Him, to know Him, to pursue Him, to follow Him, to love Him, to find life in Him. The greatest example, of course, of love and light is Jesus Himself as he was surrendered to the will and purposes of God to go to the cross and bear the brokenness of this world. And while he was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. As we get to know God in a more meaningful way, in an intimate way, we gain in our capacity to represent Him, to live like Him, to have responses and attitudes and affections and longings that represent and flow from Him. He fills us with His love and His light. Surrendering to God happens is the Holy Spirit also fills our lives and we long for the Spirit to continue to take over our lives to fill us up so that we might walk in the way that He would have us go. So our first target is to surrender. And and when we came up with these targets and we talked about surrender and connect and proclaim we knew that there were singular words, singular ideas. But there is a volume of understanding of what it means to live a surrendered life. It's not just a simple idea. 
It's a surrendering of our lives to God's will and purposes in every aspect and avenue of our lives so that our behaviors as humans, our thinking as mental people, thinking about processes and intelligence and ideas and our heart, our affections all line up with God's desire and longing for us to be His people. That's what we're called into. A relationship of transformation and a relationship of beauty and wonder that should strike us every day and give us a longing in our heart to know Him in a new way each and every day. Second, target number two, first to surrender, second is connect. We think about this at the end of that passage in Matthew in verse 39. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. And when Jesus says all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands, it's the essence of the law and the prophets, the, the desire, the longing of God from the very beginning of giving the law and giving the prophets, communicating to his people throughout the whole Old Testament can be caught up in these two commands. Love God, surrender to Him, and love your neighbor as yourself. This means that we're a community of people. We're not individuals. We're not by ourselves. We don't live unto ourselves. We don't think about just our needs, our wants, and our desires. We think about what God wants for us to do in community, in relationship with one another and with other people. That we love other people as much as we love ourselves. We want to demonstrate the grace and love of God to other people as much as we want that love and grace of God in our own lives. There's this old story about... It was in an Associated Press article back in the 1997 of a Dallas man who owned a piece of property in an old little house and uh, he had been there for 50 years and a bank came in and bought up all the property all around and they just wanted that one little piece of property so that they could build their complete bank. And they were saying they were paying him a fair market value even above the fair market value but he kept saying they weren't. And so he decided not to sell. Well, the bank decided to build the bank all around his property so they he had a uh, an ATM right out his living room window and the drive up window was going around his kitchen and uh, it was kind of an unusual situation to say the least but they kind of existed together but they did not like each other And sometimes we in the church can feel that way about one another. We exist together. And we don't necessarily like one another. And I'm convinced that if we bring our relationships with our brothers and sisters to the Lord with a heart of 
yieldedness and openness and asking God the Holy Spirit to come and change us, to make us new, to change our attitudes, I'm convinced change will happen. Relationships will improve. Forgiveness and healing for whatever difficulties there might be or understanding and love and appreciation for different perspectives and different ways of seeing life will invade your heart because God is love and he can change us. And the beauty of the power of God to change our hearts should begin in the church where we love one another. But this passage certainly doesn't just talk about fellow believers. This is love your neighbor as yourself. And so a challenge and a call for us as a church is to learn how not just to love one another as much and as important as that is, but how we love the world around us. How we demonstrate the truth of Jesus and the forgiveness of Jesus and the light of Jesus to those around us. I think God wants us to be looking for ways to serve and to care for those around us, even the people that we don't get along with, even the people that we have difficulty with. It reminds me of the story of Francis Collins. Dr. Francis Collins was the... uh, the lead scientist on the genome project where they um, analyzed DNA and categorized and cataloged all the DNA so that they could figure out you know, how to improve certain diseases and bring cures and to improve the human life. He's quite a scholar. But he's also a Christian. And he has been in many debates with uh, Christopher Hitchens, who is a well-known atheist. And they've had several national televised radio debates. And and they never did see eye to eye. But Christopher Hitchens, as an atheist, contracted cancer in a very serious and aggressive kind. And Dr. Collins went to Christopher Hitchens and said, I want to talk to you. I want to, I want to learn everything I can about this disease, this kind of cancer you have, because I know of certain people and certain connections and certain opportunities we have to try different new kinds of uh, experimental drugs that we can really go after this. And he went to his bedside regularly just to care for him, encourage him, and to provide any kind of support he could offer. And this was to his neighbor whom he had debated about Christianity many a time. And yet, when his neighbor, even an unbeliever who stood against the faith, was in need, he went to be a friend. Connection. It's a part of who we're called to be. 
people who have compassion and love and concern for those who are hurting, those who are broken, those who are in need all around us. We give that concern to one another as brothers and sisters for sure should be clearly displayed in the community of believers. But it should clearly be seen overflowing to everyone we know. Jesus said, to be surrendered and to love your neighbor as yourself is the the essence of the law and the prophets. On those two things, all the commandments hang. And as we think about who we are and what we're doing as a church, as we think about all of the things that we're blessed with and the opportunities we have to worship in a nice place and to do a lot of things together, these values, these principles, being surrendered to God, being connected to people. And the last one that we're going to talk about is proclaiming the gospel must be a part of all that we do. One cannot over, uh, overwhelm another. One cannot be set aside. One cannot be ignored. They must be a part of all that we do. And if we get so connected with one another that we forget that we're called to proclaim, that we're called to surrender. Or if we're so surrendered that we don't have any interest in our brothers and sisters and we don't feel like we have to contribute to the life of our brothers and sisters, we don't have to participate in the community together, we're missing a big part of what God's calling us to do and be. So the third target is to proclaim. And of course... I was in Matthew, I was thinking about Matthew 28, which is the Great Commission, but you can look throughout the Scriptures and see Acts chapter 1, verse 8, 2 Timothy 1, 8, all of these verses telling us that at the heart of what we're doing, one of the big jobs that Christ has left for us is to take the message of Jesus Christ, the light of the gospel, to the world around us. That's why Jesus says in verse 18, And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Those last words are to be comforting words. That even though we have a big job to do, even though this can be challenging, and I think about the the church in China with the recent crackdown and some of the concerns about how they're persecuting the the church and really trying to drive it out of existence at this moment. This carrying the gospel, making disciples, is not always an easy job. But we should be encouraged that Jesus is always with us. He is guiding us in that. 
And this message of carrying the gospel to the world around us, making disciples, this is the heartbeat of the church. You could say it's one of the reasons we exist. It's the reason Jesus came into the world, to build a people for himself. Yes, to care for us as believers. Yes, to give us purpose and direction, to give us joy and life, but also to spread that joy and life. And that's why we do things around here that connects us with people outside of our church. That's why we do Night to Shines because we're trying to build relationships with people and show people that we care about people. We love people. That's why we're involved in, with Love, Inc. And we have compass houses. That's why we do Awana because we have people that don't come to our church and, and maybe even foreign students and South Korean students coming and bringing their kids here so that we can touch them and love them and talk to them about the gospel. That's why we have movie nights, to meet people. That's why God's placed you in your neighborhood. So you can meet your neighbors and love them and serve them and and make an impact in their lives. That's why he's put us together as a church. So that we can work together to introduce people to Jesus. To show people, not so much an introduction, to show people by our love and by our lives the beauty of Christ. The wonder of His grace. And how we long for everyone to know Him. This week I did a a funeral for a man who I didn't know very well, met a few times, who was an atheist. And it's very hard. I think that was the first time I'd ever done a funeral for an atheist. And I cared deeply about him and deeply about his family. And the people, the the son who invited me to officiate at that funeral. But the light of Jesus wasn't evident. I tried to bring some encouragement. But do you know how precious and wonderful the truth of Jesus is? That we have life and that we've been given life. That we are forgiven and brought into a family of God where God has His eye on us. We are His people. And that that benefit, that blessing of new life will not end in this life. It will continue on for eternity. And that is a blessing and a gift that is indescribable. Oh, that we would long for everyone to know that. That's what should be at the heart of a church. Wanting to proclaim the truth that the light has come. Didn't we do that in Christmas? Didn't we do that when we sit around a Christmas tree and we read the Christmas story? It's all about the wonder of this Jesus. And yes, the world oftentimes doesn't know it, doesn't hear it, but we have to show it. We have to share it. 
And we do that by loving and caring and pointing to the importance of Jesus to us and how important He can be to anyone who will believe. Let us see these targets of surrender, connect, proclaim as our church's charge this year and every year. No matter how scary it may be, no matter how difficult, how it might push us beyond our comfort zone, the grace of Jesus Christ is worth it. It's worth it for us. It's worth it to everyone we meet. We have to believe it because it is the truth. So, are we a lighthouse where we're comfortable or a lighthouse where we're on the job of reaching out to others, caring for one another, seeking God with all of our heart, and seeing the glory of God extended in our world. Let's be that kind of church. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you love us so much that you sent your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to open our eyes to the truth of the gospel, to forgiveness and light and life. And Lord, I pray that as we go through this year and as we anticipate what you are doing in our church, I pray that you will make us a people who love you with our whole hearts who love one another and love people with our whole hearts and who want to share the glory of God's, of your grace to us in Christ with our whole hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.